Hello, and welcome to Mad Men's Knowledge, a podcast where we answer questions no one is asking and argue about things no one cares about in order to grant you insight. Insight as to what? We don't know, but here we are. We're your hosts, the Mad Men in Question, Hayne and Griffin, and today our topic of discussion is alternative energy. We have nine different forms of alternative energy we're going to talk about, um, some of the pros and cons, and we're going to pick out which one we think uh, works the best. So that's sort of the format here. Also, just first upon- whichever one we like the most. Mm-hmm. All right. So first on the list, we've got wind energy, and um, this one is probably pretty familiar to everybody. I gotta uh, it's tell just you, a big. T- I'm a big fan. All right, and that's all the time for we have for today. <laughs> uh, wind energy is just it's the electricity produced by the big um, turbines that. You just place that in a field, and the wind spins it around, generates electricity. It's pretty cool. The pros of it are mostly that, one, it's a pretty low impact, uh, and it's pretty low, like, footprint energy source. Um, You just have to build up these wind farms, and you need the land to, like, host them, and you need to... It's a little bit setting-specific. It only really works, like, on the plains or on coasts uh where there's a lot of wind constantly um mountain range is also pretty good so it's not necessarily a universal thing you know if you go into a heavily wooded area there's not going to be a whole lot of wind but uh it is it is pretty effective and from the article we have it claims that there's pretty low impact on sort of the uh animal populations as well um yeah, overall, you, you figure all you need for it is the large fan in question, and then also, you know, you probably need uh, a transformer at the bottom or, or some routing to, to get the power somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I will say, like, the, the biggest impact is really just, like, if a bird flies into the fan, like, that that's a bad day for that bird. Also um, probably a bad day for the fan, but... Yeah. Well, you know, if it's a small bird... You know, I, I feel like it's gonna it's not gonna do too much to the fan. Anyway, but um Wind energy's also the, super dependable. Yeah. It's just always gonna be wind. So it's not like the highest power output. Um but, but it, it really doesn't yeah. require much. Mm-hmm. Uh like with some of these other things you have to either create plants or be in a specific area and have a situation that is advantageous to you. With wind energy, you can go pretty much anywhere where there's higher winds, and you just throw the fan down, and you're all good. Mm-hmm. The question, I think that if, like, hypothetically, if we were to switch to purely wind, I think the question then becomes, how do you transport energy from the high wind areas to the low wind areas? But that's really a thing you have to worry about for all of these Um and there's a couple of options there. We can discuss that at the end, though, I think. Yeah, that'll be applicable for all of them. Okay. Uh, let's Next move on to our list. second one, uh, which is solar, solar energy. We're all familiar with solar energy. Um, honestly, solar energy has been moving leaps and bounds recently um, <clears throat> to the point where, like, the, the solar panels, like, if you can put up some solar panels... They will pay for their cost um, in electricity 
like really really quickly they're they're just super efficient again there's always going to be sun um if you live in a high sun area like you're going to be rolling in energy you could honestly um there's a bunch of really cool websites that you can go on uh like a google maps type software and it will show you like where on your house are viable locations for solar panels like you can see like it'll highlight different sections of your roof uh so i mean solar's pretty much i think that's probably one of the ones that we've been focused on uh improving and and considering as an alternative source uh just because it's so dependable the sun's always going to be there solar energy if the sun's not there we're not there uh if and the you... sun's not there we have bigger problems yeah exactly exactly uh, and just making it, making a lot of energy for something that you only have to pay for once. Again, same thing with wind energy. You just plunk it down and it starts making electricity for you. Yeah. And I mean, there is maintenance costs, obviously. Um, but those are, I would say those are pretty low. I don't imagine that they'd be any higher. I will also give the um, the warning here that not, neither of us are professionals, uh, or experts on this, we're kind of just going off of our general knowledge. Um, so do not take this as fact. Do your own research. Yeah. Uh, something something else that's really cool that I had seen is that they had mobile uh, solar panels where they had like mm -hmm. a roll of solar cells wrapped up in the back of a truck and they mm -hmm. could drive it to high sun areas and then roll them out and then roll them back up and then move to the next. Um, and so they just basically had a like a mobile solar energy field. Interesting. Um, so that's also something to consider is that unlike with wind, you can move the solar panels to wherever the sun is. I will say one big downside to solar energy is um, it takes up a lot of space. Like you need a lot of land to make a good solar farm. And that land is obviously going to come from somewhere. So there's going to be some impact in terms of either you have to, like if you're in a city or an urban area, you're like, you have to level a bunch of buildings to make room for the solar farm. Or if you're in like a more rural or wooded area, like you'll have to clear out whatever plant life or woods there are to plant those in. But so, but like in places where you just have big empty open fields, I it's not a huge burden solar energy the other thing about it is the sun has a lot of energy and it throws a lot of it at us and you know we only i don't even know what the uh rule is called but it's like only 10 percent of energy transfers between uh like levels on the energy pyramid and that's but like plants only get like 0.1 percent or something so if we can increase the efficiency of solar power then you're going to get, like, even by 0.0001%, like, that's such a massive increase in what we're getting out of the sun. Yeah, just because it's such a massive source of energy. And also, you know, you spread that 0.001% over all of the energy that you're receiving from the sun multiplied by however many solar cells on however many solar panels you have. Mm -hmm. I think that one thing, I don't know if this is like a thing that's been done or even possible, but like, I think that solar energy could be very viable in like a, 
urban environment if you were to incorporate them into buildings um because like i'm thinking of new york like there's a lot of really tall buildings and if you were to put like solar panel or like the solar energy technology like in your glass panes um or just like line the building with them like it's going to get hit by all that sun and it's going to definitely reduce the amount of power that you need maybe not fully like power the building but definitely going to make a huge impact there yeah and there's there's a lot to be said about not even you know not going fully solar but just even supplementing the energy that you're using with two or three solar panels on your house like that's absolutely a viable thing and that's honestly what solar energy is really good for is if you throw down two panels you know you're not doing the maintenance and you're not doing the land clearing that you need for like a full solar farm but you're still getting a decent chunk of energy and you know just decreasing your footprint to like infinitesimally small anything else we have to say on solar are we gonna move on uh i think that's about all there is to solar so next is hydroelectric energy um and this is essentially anywhere that there's a dam for a river um the water passes through the dam and turns a turbine and generates electricity um a very reliable source of energy as well um because those rivers are pretty much always flowing um certain areas it might be a little bit less uh certain areas it might be a little bit less consistent just because um, seasonal flow is bar- varied by the weather and like how much precipitation you get. Um, but it's a pretty good option uh, in terms of generating electricity. Uh, one big problem with hydroelectric power, though, is that when you build these dams, it significantly changes the um, landscape and the ecosystem before and after the dam. Because before the dam... You've got, you know, before the dam is built at all, you have this one river that's flowing pretty consistently all the way down. Once you build that dam, you're now making a bottleneck point. And no matter how much or how little uh, water, like, whatever the flow rate through the dam is, unless it's a, like, instantly passing through the same rate as it was before, you're going to create a little bit of a bottleneck. And so the area before the dam is going to rise in water levels, um, which is going to change where the shores are going to be. And the area after it, it's going to have a fall in water level. Um, and that's going to lower where the water is and also change the landscape. So that's just an environmental impact you have to consider when you're using hydroelectric energy. Yeah, this is obviously, again, uh, very, very dependable because uh, you know the river flows unless you've got huge drought activity uh this is going to be very effective this this one is where you get into this is really a lot of very dependable energy um probably more so than wind but it is more impact all around it's more effort from you you have to not only find the proper place to set up a hydroelectric dam but you have to go to the effort of damming a river. And also just maintenance on it is going to be more finicky than wind energy. Uh, and so yep. that's that's kind of the cost you pay for for the more the higher energy output that you're getting. Mm-hmm. And also this is limited by the fact that you need a river for it. So 
any place that uh, is a desert, essentially, yeah, you're kind of you're kind of boned there. Great Plains, not really gonna happen. Arizona, probably not. Maybe one or two. Maybe, I think there is actually a couple of like dams, but like not everywhere. Yeah. So anyway. speaking speaking of regional limitations, uh, our next energy here is the most limited uh, regional energy, and that is uh, geothermal. Uh, geothermal energy is when you are tapping into the the heat uh, from the the earth, hence geothermal, um, and you're using that to generate power for you. Um, this is really easiest. Uh, around vents um, so that it's easy to get to that heat uh, and those are obviously understandably limited uh, so you it, geothermal energy you've got a lot of it in um, uh, I think Scandinavia's got a bunch of it just because they have very many thermal vents and and even some geysers have been utilized for uh, for geothermal energy Honestly, I don't really know how to feel about geothermal energy. It seems all right, but just based on how limited it is, like it, it's a very cool concept. Uh, it's a cool concept, and it's a pretty... The thing is that geothermal is pretty much just taking the energy that's already released by the Earth and just using that, which I think is good and cool, and kind of the idea of these alternative energies and renewable energies but the thing is is that like i don't know enough about the like how you'd actually go about building them because i also think that a lot of these thermal vents are built like underwater or like at the bottom of the ocean and that poses its own sort sorts of problems in terms of maintenance and actually getting down there um and you also have to consider that like a lot of the underwater vents as well uh have a pretty significant um, ecosystem living down there. So, I mean, you'd, you'd have to displace them entirely, and there's not really another place that those place those things can go, unless you, like, had them live on your geothermal plant, but that might cause problems of its own. Yeah. Geothermal plants are also um, very expensive. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're quite, you know, obviously, it, it is a very clean and low-impact energy because you're just using what is readily available um and that's part of what makes it sort of unique and you know it it makes a lot of sense for some locations and for other locations it doesn't matter at all Mm -hmm. um but but the geothermal plants are are quite a bit uh to to behold there's just a lot of piping goes into them and uh the steam is really what you're after um so it is basically like a, a steam turbine uh combined with all of the necessary piping to get steam from the geothermal vents to that turbine um so it is it is a little bit invasive uh obviously as you said you got to disturb the environment a little bit you got to get pipes in there but uh but it is, you know, you're not, you're not destroying anything. Hydroelectric, you're pretty much dooming that river. Um, yeah. The ecosystem's going to change. Geothermal energy, nothing's going to be able to live right next to it anymore. But, but it is, 
you're not destroying it. You could basically just pick up and decide that you're not going to do it anymore, and it would go right back to normal. So, the next one on the list, unless you have anything else to say. Nope. Before we continue, I'm just going to say, we should have talked to my mom about this. I feel like she would know quite a bit. Probably. Yeah. Oh, well. Mm. Anyway, bioenergy is the next uh, alternative form. And essentially, this is taking biomass and just burning it. So instead of using uh, coal and oil that we have right now, we're using like more renewable fuels, essentially. So like ethanol, which is made from corn, or um, in the article, it mentions... Uh, like taking the gas that's released from like landfills as things decomposed and taking that gas and using it in a, a plant rather than going and digging it up. Um, which I think is interesting. Um, my biggest concern with bioenergy is that the fact of the matter is, is that America produces a whole lot of food already and most of it goes to waste at the moment. But so, like, let's say if we used corn specifically, like we used ethanol fuel primarily, um, like how, first of all, I don't know what the, like, what would be released by burning ethanol like that. But also, like, if we were to feed every, like, if food were to not be thrown away and, like, distributed so that nobody was hungry at that point, which is a whole separate other thing we're not going to mention, um, how much of the corn do we produce would like be used for ethanol? Like how much would we have to expand our already existing cornfields and agricultural like footprint? Um, uh, yes. also corn, corn economics. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that like corn isn't just used for us. Corn is also used primarily in feed for like all sorts of, uh, livestock animals. Yeah. Livestock. I don't know how much gas is released from landfills and such, um, but I would say that if we could just, like, take some of the... If we could just take the gas that's already coming out of there and utilize that instead of just letting it fly out uh, into the atmosphere, I feel like that would be a pretty good option, but I don't think that's where we should focus our energy. I, I have to agree. Uh, it's sort of... Bioenergy feels like a very like short-term like direct replacement like oh my god we've run out of coal what do we use instead um yeah and not really something that you could it, it's nice because we already have you, you already have the facilities you could just replace the the fuel but at the same time that makes it feel really impermanent and just sort of hurried uh and i don't know it would just be a worse version of coal. Um, I think realistically, though, it is the most reasonable to like get past. Essentially, in the like in America, if we were gonna try and like make legislation to like switch fuels, I think bioenergy has the greatest potential to actually get past. If that makes sense. I I agree. I think that's almost what it's best in. Uh, is that it is so reasonable and easy, and it's just like, hey, we need to cut our carbon emissions right now. Let's stop burning coal and uh, replace it with the ethanol from the corn. Uh, the The problem with that is sort of it runs out after time, where you know you can 
if you could convince there to be political action about this and just get bioenergy like started and just switch completely to bioenergy i think within a few years you'd have people who were just sort of angry that it's not as uh efficient as burning coal um yeah which is why i think that you know one of these other energies they have the potential to produce if if universally implemented uh it would be a little bit harder to implement them universally but if it does happen they have the potential to produce equal or even more energy than what we're currently doing yeah and i think the other thing to consider is that um if we were to switch to bioenergy and i'm mainly focusing on um ethanol because that's what i'm most that's the only one i can think of at the moment um but like that would be placing a lot more strain and like reliance on agriculture which means that like if we had a drought not only is our food like stores going to suffer but also our fuel and so i feel like that might be putting too many eggs in one basket type definitely, deal definitely definitely something to consider there that's all that. The next one. The next one is nuclear energy. Um, nuclear energy has been, you know, a pretty hot topic recently. Um, France is switching back to using uh, nuclear power plants. It's the, I find that there's not really a lot to be afraid of with nuclear energy. I just, I think that people are frightened by the word nuclear. Yes, um, I think the Cold War had a big part to deal with that. Yeah, and obviously, so, well, yes. Obviously, you know, it is more more dangerous at face value. You know, you're, you're splitting atoms here. Um, and if we can ever figure out how to harness fusion, that would be a bit crazy. Um, but if we could ever figure out how to harness that again, like these are massive amounts of energy that are spiking and being put out and it, it's frightening cause it's nuclear and you're sort of messing with things that the common person doesn't understand. Solar energy, you know, you put out a thing that the sun shines on, um, wind energy. It's a giant turbine. Like everybody can see how that works and understand with nuclear energy explaining exactly how and why we are able to get at the energy that we can you know that we can glean from these atoms is it's difficult and so i think there's a lot of undue stress and hassle around nuclear energy energy that when when you compare it i mean like yes you're splitting an atom and it's dangerous and it's for the common person, it is uncharted territory, but there's been so much research that has gone into that. Um, there's so many safety measures. Uh, the only thing you really have to worry about is freak accidents, and even if freak like accidents, yes, well, Chernobyl was like thirty freak accidents at once. Yeah. Um, combined with some maybe some negligence. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, if all you have to worry about is freak accidents, like that's a risk I'm willing to take because when it comes down to it, burning fossil fuels is worse. It's a certainty of the slow and awful just decline of our planet. Um, and if something doesn't change, like that's it, it is world destroying power 
on a greater scale than a nuclear uh, power plant accident. Yeah. So I actually wrote a paper on this uh, last semester. Nuclear energy isn't isn't green and it's not renewable because we have to use a very specific type of uranium to power nuclear reactors, and there is a limited amount of that. And then also you have to consider that there is a lot of environmental damage that's done by the mining and processing, and then eventually, you know, what do we do with the waste afterwards? But the thing is that I feel like nuclear energy, we have had, you know, big problems like Chernobyl is a big incident that a lot of people like to point to to like say that nuclear energy is unsafe and I will grant that like yes there's the potential that nuclear energy or like a nuclear power plant like melts down and damages an area but like Griffin said Chernobyl was a freak accident of like 30 different things going wrong all at once and we have significantly improved the safety standards the pro like the biggest problem with nuclear energy right now is actually negligence is pretty common. Um, a lot of nuclear power plants that exist right now, like the administrations that are designed to go and check and regulate them to ensure that they're up to standards and like they're safe, are significantly underfunded, and so people are having to like stay like do eighteen hour workdays to like go and measure all of these things because it's just one dude for like an entire plant and so it's it that is part of the reason why there's it's so hard to ensure safety on those things and there's a lot more i don't remember all of this stuff that i did research on but there are definitely risks to nuclear energy but there's also an extremely high reward to it so i think that ultimately nuclear energy isn't the final form of energy we should use but i think that it's better like we said earlier with bioenergy that it's like a good intermediary, but I think nuclear energy is a better intermediary because we have the ability, like it's going to last a pretty good amount of time and it's going to produce so much energy all at once to replace uh, our fossil fuels, essentially. And I'm not going to say that we should do like the fallout universe level of nuclear energy where you're like putting a nuclear reactor in your car, but... I think that, you know, having a couple plants to to power that electricity market, I think is I think it has potential. Yeah, and you also think about in terms of intermediaries, if you turned all of the funding that goes into fossil fuel energy at this point to nuclear energy, I think not only could you ensure that it was very safe energy, um, but you could also figure out ways to make the mining more clean uh, and ensure that it's less impactful. Uh, the waste is still something we have to deal with. But There's honestly, not really any way you can get around that. And that yeah. is a, a genuine thing you have to consider because the waste can be super... Like, it can be super damaging in all sorts of ways. It's also worth it, though, because if we can ensure, you know, clean nuclear energy that is also, you know, in a safe environment that we are getting it we can power so much for so long there's a there's a limit on it but one would hope that the limit is enough that it just it produces so much energy that it's difficult to imagine that nuclear energy if we focused on it as our main source could run out before we figured out something that was permanently renewable 
Yeah. Or or who knows, maybe we'll figure out a way to renew uh, uranium and, and figure fusion. out how to make that. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's so much about it that we don't know that I think not only, we know enough to harness the energy. And if we're doing that, maybe we can learn enough while we're doing that to better it to make it better and to make it maybe cleaner and to figure out some way to just make it work um the other thing that you know with waste obviously you know you have a time limit on how long we can use nuclear energy just as long as there's uranium but you figure if we just if we isolate and flood the plants after we're done and keep all of our waste in there and just never use them again, like that would be a, a potential way to to deal with that, because yeah. that is how they deal with spent fuel rods. Um, <laughs> water is very effective at at blocking radiation. Yeah, um, there's a wonderful book called What If. It's by uh, Randall Monroe, and he talks about could you swim in a a pool of spent nuclear rods and the answer is yes but only if you don't get shot by security on the way there it's like for every foot of water or not even foot i think it's like for every inch or something it cuts the amount of radiation in half like water is incredibly good at that um the other the issue with that though is that if you have like irradiated water and it it would break down the plant potentially and maybe leak into the environment around it but i feel like that is i feel like we could manage it a little bit better i will say one thing is that the waste is certainly an issue and definitely a big concern so i understand why people are against nuclear energy on that ground but i will also my thought is is that nuclear waste is like something that we can handle and contain whereas like the waste from current fuel sources is not something we can contain and control like where it goes and what it does. Yeah, clearly not anymore since we've reached this point. And yeah. that's that's honestly what this is all about. There's a reason it's called alternative energy sources. It's because we're just looking for something to replace what's going on because we know that what we're doing is not at all sustainable. I think nuclear energy fills that niche pretty well. All right. I think we have said way too much on this topic, so we can move on to the next energy source, hydrogen energy. Essentially, hydrogen energy is just, you. it's still burning stuff, but it is burning hydrogen, which burns much cleaner. It doesn't release as many gases into the air that's going to uh, screw things up. The issue is, is that I feel like harvesting hydrogen's a little bit more difficult. Well, we could yes all, no. like, electrolysis is certainly an option. It is. I don't know the full like cost of a hydro that word. Uh I don't know the full cost of like doing that on a wide scale to fuel all of our stuff, our full energy market demands. But I would say that, you know, we have a lot of water. So if that was and that was the way we did it, we did there's certainly ample stuff and also uh so in an ideal combustion reaction the only the only products released are carbon dioxide and water i believe correct uh yes absolutely okay and the reason that so that is uh that is in hydrocarbons um Mm -hmm. because the goal here is just to burn hydrogen gas 
the only product is water. Okay. If we want to recycle the hydrogen um, from the combustion, we wouldn't, like, that would be a case where we wouldn't be able to, you know, this isn't like Minecraft where you can't make, like, infinite farms of something. So we can't, like, burn the hydrogen and then split the water with the energy we produce to then burn more hydrogen. Because uh, there's energy lost in these reactions. But um, we can but, do that. Slightly. Well, a little bit. But what I was going to say is we could re recycle the physical resource of the hydrogen and the water. But, you know, that's where we put in, like, you just make a hydrolysis. Hydroless... What's the word? The word you're looking for is electrolysis. Yeah, electrolysis. We could make, like, an electrolysis plant that was powered by wind or solar in that case. And then that adds in the a little bit of energy we need to just recycle it. So I think that hydrogen has a potential. I haven't done a whole lot of research on it. So, I mean, I think the I don't main know how... appeal of hydrogen is how clean and simple it is. Um, you know, yeah. producing just water. And, you know, I think you're you make a wise comparison to Minecraft here. Um, and this could just be the fact that I've played a lot of Minecraft. But when I hear, you know, when I hear about a, a hydrogen energy plant my first thought goes to the fact that you can produce hydrogen gas from water and burning hydrogen gas produces water so my mind immediately mm -hmm. goes to oh yes we'll burn it we'll capture the water that it gives off and then we'll burn and then we'll electrolyze that and then burn the gas that comes off from that in reality that's not realistic again because it is you know, it, it, it will dwindle. You're going to lose uh, energy in these reactions. Uh, the thing you forget, though, is that there's an infinite supply of water. Even if you there don't use the water. water that is produced by the hydrogen gas, if you just, if you have a hydroelectric plant that funnels water into an electrolysis, you can have water produce the energy to electrolyze itself and then have it be burned as hydrogen to produce more energy. Um, again, I don't know the math on that. I don't know if that's realistic. Uh, I don't exactly know how much energy you can expect from that. But it is just sort of interesting to think about because hydrogen energy is only utilizing, you know, these very basic building blocks of life, it's very easy to... to think of a lot of ways that we could use it in tandem with other energy sources or as a sort of catalyst for other energy sources yeah the other thought that i have on hydrogen energy is that hydrogen gas is like a it's matter that you can transport whereas like so like when we're talking about wind and solar like if you're not in those plants either you'd have to make a really long cable to like transport the energy you either or you'd have to put it into a battery and then transport it somewhere in the battery but like hydrogen you could build those plants anywhere and the gas itself could be transported now of course you know the hindenburg i think is the name of the the zeppelin yes, yes. yeah hindenburg problem you know where all the hydrogen ignites and explodes and it's a whole disaster you know maybe we make something that's not that uh big uh, but no, like if we no had, like, more dangerous than high uh than than natural gas though is the thing yeah i was gonna say like if you if we made like canisters or like barrels of hydrogen 
you could transport that a lot more effectively and then instead of having to um you know you get the energy at wherever you build the plant you can then transport it and build the plant wherever the energy is needed um and so like the hydroelectric plant like we said it's limited to where there's rivers but if that's where you're getting your hydrogen fuel from you can then just load that up onto a truck and drive it to a city where it's got the hydrogen plant and then um burn it there so that it's directly applicable yeah um i think there's a lot of potential here uh i, I don't know i maybe we're being idealistic here and we just don't know enough about the energy production of burning hydrogen but i i'm pretty optimistic about that uh yeah and so with that let's move on to uh our second and last one which is tidal energy um tidal energy is fairly straightforward it is effectively just hydroelectric energy that is powered by the rather than the flow of a river the movement of the tides and you know there there is a lot of energy there i'm not sure what the impact of that's going to be uh, in terms of like environmental because my thought is is that if you're going to be using because my my assumption here is that the the title the tides that we're talking about are the um like you know that scene in finding nemo where the turtles are all like chilling in the eac or whatever uh yeah the, those yeah, are like, the currents ah this I'm thinking of tides. like yeah, you're thinking of currents. Um, the I'm currents current. also okay. potentially harnessable, but that would be hydroelectric and just basic hydroelectric. Um, yeah, tidal energy is you have units basically lined up on the shore, um, mm -hmm. and basically the you know the tide washes water into the into the plant, um, and then it pulls it back out, and you you harness the the movement there. Uh, again, you use that to either like turn a turbine or something like that. You use that energy to produce your electricity or whatever. I um, I don't think it's super applicable. Again, I think this is one of the niche things where it's sort of harnessing what's there and it's what's available to you. So again, like geothermal, it's very smart and it's very ingenuitive. I just don't know that it's universally applicable on the level that some of these other ones are. Yeah, and that is kind of an important thing. Uh, the last one on the list is very similar. Um, it is called wave energy, which I had never heard of before. But essentially, it's instead of using like the waves like on a beach, like the tide pulling things in there, it's you like you're having generators that are on the ocean's surface. And so as the water naturally goes up and down, that's going to pull water in and out of it. And that's going to turn the turbine. Mm -hmm. And because they're pretty similar products, I feel okay. Like grouping them together and talking about them together. I think that the two biggest concerns I have was one, I don't think that this is going to be a super high efficiency like it's not going to produce a whole lot of power i don't think it's going to be super reliable because you know the movement of the uh, like the movement of water in the ocean is pretty much guaranteed uh as long as we have a moon but Yay uh us. yeah 
As long as nobody tries to steal it uh, or blow it up, we're good. Anyway, but the uh, the other thing is that, like, if you're going to put, like, a big wave energy plant on the ocean to, like, float, that's also going to have some sort of impact. It's got to be close to the shore, so it's going to have some sort of impact on the wildlife that's going to inhabit that area. Um, maybe not, definitely not as much as hydroelectric or geothermal, but I would say it's going to be pretty significant. Yeah, it depends on where you put more it. More long lasting as well. Um, mm-hmm. Again, geothermal is uh, it's intrusive, but it is removable. Um, this would be permanently altering to the that that environment, or you know, semi permanently. Because the thing is, because like my, I don't know what a wave energy plant looks like, but my thought is sort of like you have to cordon off like a section of the ocean uh to like have these wave generators and then um do you know how a wave like a wave pool works at like a water park yeah i I feel like it'd just be the opposite of that yes like you okay pretty uh, that is effectively um what it is um and i mean almost literally it is it it takes in the energy of the waves uh, and produces power instead of the other way around. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of finickiness to uh, getting this implemented. Uh, again, you have to find the right location. Um, but also, it's just going to get beat up. Um, yeah. The ocean is pretty brutal. Um, and if you're putting things even near the shore, if you're putting things in the ocean, don't expect it to go particularly well. Don't expect it to last very long either, because salt water is very... Like, water is the universal solvent and does a lot of damage to things over time, but, like, salt water is even worse, yeah. so... Very abrasive and corrosive. What is your your favorite? Uh, doesn't, I think that... doesn't have to be the most efficient or the one that you think would work the best. Just what's your favorite? I think my favorite's got to be hydrogen, honestly, because the thing is, is that realistically, I think uh, i think that nuclear is where we need to go uh next but the the thing is that hydrogen i think is a better overall fuel source i think that the fact that it's so simple and has the potential to be so much more renewable and clean uh definitely just makes it like my favorite potential i like i i can agree with that i my preference here is going to be for nuclear uh, I just really, I think it's very interesting, and I think it's really like, sort of like a big benchmark of human achievement, that mm-hmm. we are, you know, we're harnessing the power of friggin' bonds to, to produce energy for life. Um, I do agree, I honestly, as I learn more and more about it, hydrogen energy is very intriguing, uh, and I would, I would like to know more about it. Um, but yeah. I also think that nuclear energy is where we need to go next. Um, I, I agree with that. That's my personal take. Also, it's which... a lot like it's a lot like stocks, you know, where we want to have a diversified portfolio. You mentioned earlier having all of our eggs in one basket um, with yeah. uh, with bioenergy. Um, I think we can run into a similar thing where, you know, we get a drought hydroelectric is going to sort of fall off 
Um, maybe we run out of uranium briefly. Uh, the miners go on strike. Something happens um, like that. Maybe we don't have access to as much nuclear energy. So I think it's a good idea to branch out and just sort of feel out all of these new things. And I think that nuclear energy allows us to to sort of have a dependable source of energy um, that allows us to branch out and research these other things um, pretty fear-free. Once again, I'm just going to reiterate this. Neither of us are experts on this, and this isn't... Do your own research on these topics. Don't take our words for it, because we're vastly underqualified for that. But we hope that this was interesting to you and that you will take a look and do you uh you know if you if you feel particularly passionate about uh, any of these energy sources you know maybe maybe you go join that cause yeah all right well that is all we have time for today uh thank you for listening to the ramblings of these two mad men we'll have new episodes out roughly every week please leave a comment if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss if you have any general commentary or if we left out your favorite type of alternative energy um we're not experts we might have forgotten something crazy that we hadn't considered uh let us know we'd be happy to hear